Hello and welcome to episode 139 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, June Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, James. Hello. And Stephen. Hey, friends. Uh, James, you've been busy at the moment. Uh, you're in the process still of reviewing uh, State of Decay 2, um, but as of the posting this episode, the game, your review, I should say, will be out. Um, so would you be able to like, share some of your initial initial thoughts on the game? I'm obviously very excited about it, so I'm keen to hear what you got to say. Yeah, um, so I've been playing it, like I worked out the other day, I've actually been playing it for about 30 hours. I don't really know how I fit that much time nice. into like three days, but I did, so. <laughs> that's That's very impressive. Yeah, um, I only played the first game on Xbox One, so I there's probably less time between them for me than most people. Um, Is it I, available on Xbox One? Is it like a backwards compatible thing? No, they re- did a remaster oh, with they did the too. DLC. They yeah. Did, why have I not played that? Well, do you play Xbox One? Uh, <laughs> no, good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that might be why. Mm. Um yeah, so it's it's really good. Like I think, because I was a little bit not sure about it, um, because it just like throws you in to the game with no story. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And um, like so because of that, I just don't feel like there's a goal to work towards, which kind of hurts me a little bit. Like it's not my kind of game normally. Mm. Um, but like so. I think it's still really good. I, I like it's it's being sold at like double the price, so I'm assuming that they they feel like it can't kind of stand up on its own compared to the first game, which was digital only. Um, yeah. And the problem is, like, I just think I think it's really good. Like, it's I'm addicted to the gameplay loop. Like the you know going out to to kill like a zombie nest or whatever, and then coming back. Um, and then kind of rebuilding my resources from that point on to do the next one. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a gameplay loop to it. Yeah. Um, But because I'm not really working towards anything in particular, like, I kind of get to this point where I've kind of saturated myself and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of done now. Mm. Um, Like I was saying to Steven, like, it's almost like, I don't know if you play it, Ewan, but Animal Crossing, but for people. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like this comparison. <laughs> so you like you have like a little camp of people, and they've all got their own different needs, their different wants, their little idiosyncrasies, um, and you've got to kind of make sure all these people are happy and stuff before you go and venture out to do stuff. Because there's nothing worse than being like out in the middle of like an attack or something, and yeah. you've got two people arguing back at home because they want they're arguing over food or something. You know what I mean? So sure, nothing worse. In, yeah, it's um. It is like a really good game. Um, it's just, I don't think it's going to appeal to everybody. And I think the people who buy it just for the zombie stuff will be a little bit disappointed. Yeah. And uh, and obviously, like, they've made some major inclusions this time as well, like, with the, the multiplayer. Have you had, I know, like, in reviews, it can be a bit difficult, but, like, have you had an opportunity to play any of the co-op side of things? Yeah, so I have. Not not a lot. Um, so the, the, the first, like, normal, I guess, kind of way to do it is you can shoot off a flare. Mm-hmm. And that, like, opens your game up for other people to matchmake into. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of cool how it doesn't take you out of the game. Um, or you can kind of volunteer to go and help somebody, and then anybody who shot off a flare will, you know, you'll go into their game, if that makes sense. Cool. I assume there's rewards to doing that as well. There are, yeah, there are rewards it. that you can get. Um, the only thing that is, it's very, it's a little bit limited, so it's a bit like Far Cry 5 did it. Um, uh-huh. You can't take any resources out of your friend's camp, which I guess makes sense. Like, they don't really want you to steal from people. Yeah. Um, 
or I guess grief them is the term. Um, Gamer term. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's, it's, I don't know. And you can't select missions. You can't really do a lot. Sure. And you can't run too far away okay. from the person, which like in a game that's this vast, like it's such a big world and it's, uh, I lo- and I love the feel and the vibe of the world. Um, it just sucks that I can't kind of go off and do my own thing in co-op. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, assume, I assume that's the same when you're playing like the more sort of like, because you like, there's no reason why you can't play through the entirety of the game with a friend, right? Or is the does it not work like that? Well, you can, but the thing is, is your friend who joins you won't uh-huh. have, they won't really get that much out of as much out so, of it as if they okay. were to run through it by themselves. Do you know what right. I mean? So all those limits still apply. Yeah, and yeah. I just don't like this is their major. Edition. Maybe it's going to change, like, post-launch. Who knows? Yeah, um, that's kind of a... I don't know. That feels like kind of a half-step. Yeah, yeah. I'm and that's that's my thing with this game is, like, there's so many cool new things they've implemented, um, but they're not necessarily, like, game-changing, mm. if that makes sense. Like, it's just... It, like you said, it's all half-steps. Mm. Um, I do like the fact that if I don't like somebody, I can just shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> Like, my first playthrough, because I would really recommend everybody to kind of play it for five hours or so and then start again, because you kind of have to get a grip for all the systems and stuff, and it doesn't really teach you... I exp- Yeah, I definitely did exactly that with the first. Yeah, um, and I kind of enjoyed it so much more after my... Because in my first game, like, I was a mess. Like, I remember mm. I ran out to get some stuff, came back, someone was infected, I didn't really know what to do, I got the... I made the cure, like... Almost died doing so because your characters, when they die, they die permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was pretty intense. And I, instead of youth, like giving them the cure, I accidentally pressed the euthanize button. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it doesn't give you a prompt to say, Are you sure you want to euthanize this person? Um, right. So I just shot this poor woman like in the middle <laughs> of my camp. <laughs> and then my whole camp was depressed. And I was like, Okay, I'm going to start again. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, does this uh, appeal to you, Stephen? Like, is this sounding like a game game for I, you, or are you? I think so. Like, I'm I'm not so concerned about the like the lack of direct story narrative as much. I don't know if I'll have a change of tune when I actually start playing the game. Maybe I'll feel a little bit I don't know directionless. I guess it sounds, but I don't know. It sounds like there's a lot of kind of really cool emergent stories that can come out of it, just based on what James has been sort of talking about it with me over the last few weeks. Well, not a few weeks, last couple of days. It's just, yeah, it sounds like it could be a whole lot of fun. You have some really cool camp stories and accidentally shoot a woman and yeah, stuff like that. (laughs) One of the cooler things is like, so with vehicles and stuff now, they kind of are a little bit more important. So you can, you have your inventory, but you can actually load stuff into the trunk of your car as well, mm-hmm. um, which means you can go out and collect more stuff before coming back. But That's cool. Th- it is cool until you're like, <laughs> I'm going to be really smart and just put all of my fuel, because the cars have to have fuel now as well, right. um, all of my fuel into the boot of this car. So I've never run out of fuel. But then like, I was in this horrible like face-off, and I kind of had to run to my car, drove away in like a fever, and I drove off a cliff into a lake, and now I have no car, no fuel, and I'm really far away from my base. So, <laughs> that was a horrible time. Mm. Um, so, I guess that's the thing. Like, you're putting it all into your car, but your car can explode, technically, at any point if <laughs> if you drive into a tree or something, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's like... I, I do really it, like that idea of everything having sort of 
permanent consequences people dying you're losing gear you drive a car off a cliff like all of those yeah. things mean something to the overall sort of narrative arc that you create as you're playing and mm. even stuff like you know you you like someone will be contacting you over the radio hey we need help with this quest and then if you ignore them like they'll get hostile to you so like mm. even i think i was telling you steve the other day i ran up to this house because i was like r- almost dead and i like ran up to this house to ransack it and it was occupied by these people and they were people that i purposefully ignored about three hours ago so they were all you know guns ready to like just gun me down so it didn't work out that well but if i'd helped them i probably would have been saved you know like yeah. and i just feel like the world remembers everything you do which is really cool yeah yeah that is really cool and that's what i kind of liked a bit about the first game as well like just that sort of permanence and they're actually sort of being consequences to your actions as well there's something kind of almost kind of simulation like to that i think um it is which kind and of makes like it I stand said, out in a saturated zombie game yeah zombie. like i said to you you and before i think when you talk about days gone i'm just like Ugh, i just can't be bothered with zombies anymore like when yeah shannon was like state of decay 2 i was like Ugh. but like <laughs> but like it's still it's not even about the zombies yeah it's really it's like the zombies are there but i don't know it just doesn't it's a it's about the people and the survival and it's yeah. a survival game without annoying like, oh, you're hungry, like kind mm-hmm. of bars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. they say about The Walking Dead though, right? It's not about the zombies. It's about the people. And yeah. I guess that's why The Walking Dead was, you know, popular in a, for a while. <laughs> mm, yeah. I have not watched the most recent season. And yeah, do nah. I feel like Nobody has. I'm out of that. That's why it's done. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking some more about post-apocalyptic games, but first, let's talk about Walmart, who have potentially leaked a bunch of E3 announcements. Um, the listings have since been deleted, but they posted placeholders for a bunch of games, including the following um, Assassin's Creed, Just Cause 4, Splinter Cell, Dragon Quest 2, Borderlands 3, Rage 2, Gears of War 5, Forza Horizons 5, and Lego DC Villains. Um, I- Rage 2 has obviously been confirmed. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but, Stephen, do you think uh, we'll see some of these other listings being confirmed as well? It's it's weird. Like, I saw this list, and until Rage 2 was confirmed, like, that was the only one that looked a little bit hmm, unusual. That seems a bit out of left field. But everything else just kind of looks like, yeah, there's probably another Assassin's Creed. Yeah, Splinter Cell might be coming back. Like, none of it seems too far out of you know, out in Crazy Town or anything like that. It's just... I know it seems like fairly safe, but yeah, Rage 2 was like, surely not, they're not bringing that back. Surprise, mm, they are. Surprise. <laughs> and yeah, so this sort of you know, lends a little bit of credence to this list, except yeah. Forza Horizons 5. Um, yeah, that's, that's weird. <laughs> I just yeah. played 3 not long ago. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder... There wasn't, like, a mobile game? No, that would be weird. I don't know. I, I mean, unless like they what... don't want it to be... Like, we're at Forza Motorsport 6 now. Do they not want it to seem behind? Are they doing, like, a Windows 10 of Forza Horizon or something? You're just skipping a number? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, but then, like, go to a Roman numeral or something, but... I was trying to figure that. Maybe maybe it's just like whoever's done all the data entry for this has just like got carried away with hitting the number 5 after like Gears of War 5 or something. I don't know. Like... <laughs> Let's go with um, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, James, is there anything to read into in the fact that Assassin's Creed is just Assassin's Creed, do you think? Um, no. <laughs> I just think... The thing I, is, like... I guess I, what I'm asking, do you, like, do you think it's going to have, like, a subtitle? Like, we've just had Assassin's Creed yes. Origins. You think it still yes, will have a subtitle? I, I definitely think that there will still be a subtitle for a new Assassin's Creed game. I think... These the way these retailers work and stuff is is they probably do have an idea of what's coming out this year because they have to you know order units in advance and all that kind of stuff, um, 
specialist places, especially like JB and EB, probably have to do deals for marketing and you know pre-order bonuses. So this kind of stuff is definitely decided ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Assassin's Creed, they probably were just told by Ubisoft, yes, we will have a new Assassin's Creed this year. <laughs> they probably didn't yeah. want to give too many details out. Um, I don't... I don't see them... Origins was kind of their reboot, you know? Like, I don't see them kind of doing a... Because you're trying to ask mm. me, I guess, if they're going to do, like, a God of War with it? Mm. Yeah. Kind of? Like, yeah. nah. It's too soon. I think there will definitely be... Yeah, and Origins was too popular. and too. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, a reboot happens when you've had a little bit of time away from the series or the series has started to sort of droop in popularity. But Assassin's Creed Origins seems to be the most positively received and most talked about Assassin's Creed that I've noticed in years. Yeah, but I was talking Black Flag, probably. Yeah, hmm. but I was talking to Shannon. It just feels too soon as well. For another Don't Assassin's you... Creed game? Yeah. I mean, I've not had the time to play more than 10 hours of Origins, so... I would say it's yeah. too soon, but I'm sure there are... I know are plenty of people that have played right the way through Origins and loved it, and I'm sure would love another Assassin's Creed game. Um, yeah. It's kind of one of those tentpole sort of franchises that people kind of like... only come around and play kind of... That's the one game a year they, they get. Yeah, um, I just feel like they. the reason the Origins was so good is because they took some time away from it and kind of yeah. reinvented a lot of the mechanics and stuff. And that's why people like Origins so much. Mm. And now Ubisoft's kind of like, yeah, they love it. Do more. If they transpose <laughs> that back same on that sort train. of game, though, to ancient Greece or ancient Rome, though, like, I'm so in. Oh, yeah, gosh. they've spoken about Greece and Rome, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this was Greece. I'd love to see, like, a story... trilogy of games kind of revolving around yeah. those three ancient Based on areas. how the story goes in the DLC and stuff, like, Greece is probably next. Mm. Um, but we'll Pre- see. Pretty exciting. Um, is there anything else on, on the list at all that kind of stands out to you much, Stephen? Um, I mean, Dragon Quest 2 looked a bit weird, but given that, um, you know, James explained the whole retailers might not get the whole story or they might not really care to get the whole story, they just need to get that listing up ahead of time. That's yeah. probably Dragon Quest Builders too. So, yeah, aside from that, it all seems pretty pretty reasonable to me. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about Rage 2 then. Um, after leaks and some not-too-subtle teasing, Rage 2 is officially being announced, and we've seen a gameplay trailer for that. Uh, it's been developed by Avalanche Studios. Um, did either of you guys play the first Rage game? A little bit. Um, yeah, I played it on 360 <laughs> back in the day. Okay. Um, so, Stephen, why did you only play a little bit then? It was not terribly interesting. Like, it was super impressive technically, the fact that it, from memory, didn't have, like, loading screens. It sort of had this weird sort of mega texture technology that was kind of interesting technically but didn't make too much of a difference, like, gameplay-wise. And I just, I don't know, I got a bit bored of the drab, brown, post-apocalyptic. There wasn't anything to really keep me. It was just, yeah, not all that interesting. Right, okay. But you played a bit more of it, James? Yeah, I did. I didn't finish it either. Um so okay. I the only thing I remember that really stood out to me with Rage was an emphasis on vehicles, which I'm not particularly crash hot on. Um mm. it's why I skipped Mad Max as well. Hmm. And um the the boomerangy thing, which is so cool, like you could throw it at someone's head and their head like came yeah. off. Yeah. That was super <laughs> cool. I remember that. That was amazing. It was so good it was in the logo. That's how you know it was good. Mm. Um but yeah, and I remember it was pretty cool that a console game was 60 frames per second and looked that good, but it doesn't look that good anymore on console. <laughs> um, yeah. What, you mean the first, or are you, you considering like this trailer that we've seen? No, the first game. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. I, yeah, the first game doesn't look that good um, anymore on consoles, I don't feel. So. Sure. 
I well, I I haven't played any of the first game, but I had friends that did, and they they were really quite red hot on it. Um, and uh, I was watching this trailer just earlier today, and I was like, this looks really kind of cool. It looks totally like my kind of game as well. Um, I love the sort of like fast paced kind of element of it and the zaniness of it. It kind of gave me some Doom vibes as well, um, which I guess isn't all too surprising. Um, and that boomerang weapon, like they really showcased that in this uh, this gameplay trailer as well, and it looks awesome. Any game with like just kind of outlandish weapons weapons kind of excites me a bit um but are you guys kind of having played that first game like does this trailer speak to you in in any particular way i um, think oh you go oh uh, yeah I, I just i like I, I think i said on twitter like they kind of watchdogs toing it where it goes from being a kind of brown or black kind of boring looking game to this kind of over-the-top crazy fluoro mm. suicide squad <laughs> like color overdose yeah. kind of thing, which I think is fine. Like, I think it's pretty cool. Um, my big thing with Rage 1, like, that I kind of forgot to mention before was the way the enemies reacted to your bullets and your weapons and stuff was very unique. Like, the animation system was really good. Um, mm. And I feel like that's kind of missing from this trailer. Um, but, like, I still will give this a go. It's just, I just, I get a bit weary because I'm not a vehicle person. I'm not a driving yeah. person, you know? So... Yeah, clearly you drive vehicles off cliffs with f all the fuel in the <laughs> in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, so this is why I don't do it. <laughs> so, are you are you more keen on the vehicle side of things then, Stephen, or was that like part of what turned you away from the first game as well? Um, no, I'm honestly this trailer itself is more interesting to me than all of the first Rage that I played. It's sort of I, I do worry. James brought up the whole you know unique animation system. It seems like the gunplay part of it looks based on a very short trailer, at least very doom-esque, which is yeah. very good, but not what rage was like that individual sort of, I don't know, reacting to, to bullets specifically where they hit and all that doom was a bit more, you shoot stuff, mm. it falls over. It's just over and done within a second. Whereas I guess rage yeah. was a bit more technically interesting. Um, I am keen on the driving stuff. Like, I haven't played Mad Max, but I think it's a game that if I ever set aside the time for it, I'd probably dig. Like, I kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, I liked Forza Horizon. I generally like driving games as long as they're not too simulation-y. So, yeah, I'm, count me interested, I think. Okay, cool. Awesome. I think the thing that grabs me the most, like, is just the world, the look of the worlds and stuff. Like, already, I have, I've watched the trailer, like, once, but I still remember that purple-hued world and the the kind of dark greeny kind of gassy looking world and stuff. So yeah, it almost yeah. reminded me of bullet storm and just how like ostentatious totally. and bright it was. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm glad to see that we're all kind of excited for this one. Makes a bit of a change from last week when we were a bit <laughs> ho-hum about everything. Um, speaking of post-apocalyptic games, because there's a hell of a lot of them, obviously, uh, Metro Exodus has been delayed until the first quarter of 2019. Um, I have, just quickly, have you guys played Metro games before? I've not, but yes. this looks kind of kind of oh. cool to me. You have, James? Yeah, I played the first two, but well, all of them, I guess. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, are you particularly disappointed to see this news then? No. Okay. Um, Are you surprised the, to see this news? After the second game, yeah, I don't know. I was a bit like, oh, I can take or leave this. The thing is, okay. right, these these games are good, but they're mm. very depressing. <laughs> like, <laughs> so depressing. Just, okay. oh, the world's ended. Everybody's sad. I think in the second game, somebody almost gets raped. Like, it's just a Jeez. horrible, dank kind of world. 
Um, so releasing them just before Christmas, probably not a good idea. No, but I do think this is very strategic. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Red Dead effect, as people are calling yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I like it's that. not really the kind of game that plays to that holiday AAA release schedule. Like, you can see all the games come out. It's usually your big action blockbusters, the stuff that people are going to buy regardless of, you know, what, you know, if they're, if it's, it'll be part of a series, they'll buy it and they'll like it. But Metro kind of has a different audience. Uh, yeah, I just don't know that it would play so well in the holiday period. So delaying it is probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, do you th- do you not like fear that we're going to see this point though, where kind of February and March becomes just as sort of action packed as October and November? I feel like with that that time is rapidly approaching. I swear there was something we were talking about last week, and James mentioned the same thing that like the fact that it got delayed into February was probably why it was so popular. Monster Hunter, like that's mm. a different audience to the main you know, holiday. So I guess it's you get different kinds of games, but yeah, yeah. maybe. Is it a bad thing if there's lots of games coming out? Maybe if you have to cover them all, but otherwise it's probably good for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. I think, like, I, I, I just... Uh, I don't know. I was going to say something really smart, but I've forgotten it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of a packed 2018, we're still expecting a Pokemon game this year, and rumours and speculation are circling and are swirling. Um, there's talk of the game. There's talk that the game will raise eyebrows, draw heavily from Pokemon Go, and will focus on the original Pokemon with Pikachu and Eevee taking center stage. Um, there seems to be like more and more certain news about this kind of coming out. Uh, the hour, uh, James. What exactly do you think might raise your eyebrows in a Pokemon game? Well, <laughs> <laughs> just the very nature of a Pokemon game. I'm a bit. I'm a bit over. Pokemon at the moment, mm. so um, I thought like I thought Sun and Moon would really like kind of rejuvenate my interest in the series, and I played them, and they were a bit whatever, and I kind of forgot about it. And I'm not a competitive person, mm. so I don't really you know train my Pokemon with IV values and stuff, which some people will know what that means, some people won't. Um, I think like I if they kind of I know this sounds really bad, and people will kind of hate me for it, but I think if they went back to kind of the more casual thing when Pokemon was a little bit more just have fun catch them all that's it um it might grab me a bit more so right yeah i'm the total opposite I, we've talked about this bit before okay. but like i'd yeah. love i'd love for um yeah just like a more kind of fleshed out sort of i people are gonna hate me and cringe at me when i say this but like something a bit more narrative driven um if they made it a third person over the field action adventure <laughs> that'd be oh, perfect it's already an rpg <laughs> it's good yeah plenty of rpg elements already amazing um, we just need yeah, Pikachu like, just... to have like a, a, a child and have a horrible thing happen so that'll really get the tears jerking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, <laughs> if Pikachu spoke in this game, I'm sure that would raise a lot of eyebrows. Um, I hope they don't go like too heavily into anything that's kind of like too movement or like, location based or like weighs too heavily on like labo if they release this game with like cardboard pokeballs that they expect you to throw at <laughs> augmented reality pokemon i'm not gonna be happy like that's happening no surely not worst case scenario um but i'm all for them going back to like the original pokemon i think that worked really well for pokemon go and it kind of appeals to the sort of nostalgic element like even more than pokemon itself just like already does so um yeah i'm not think- like totally kind of incensed by these the talk that's swirling about this game already yeah, I think the thing with this is is like people like I don't think I don't think this is the big Pokemon RPG that was announced, 
you know, two years ago or a year ago for Switch. I mm. think this is something they've kind of put together pretty quickly. Um, and in doing so, they've kind of limited themselves to like the original 150 Pokemon because it's less work, gives them more time to work on their big RPG. Mm. Um, and if the titles are real, like that's to me is clearly not, you know, next mainline game. Do you know what I mean? Like it's more of a spin-off kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the name kind of indicates it might be more along the lines of like the scope of a Detective Pikachu than a Pokemon Eevee version. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's weird. What I just want them to announce it now. Like, yeah. everyone knows. Just let us just do it. Like, <laughs> you please. Know? Yeah. Do you think we'll see a lot of it at E3? Yes. Gameplay reveal trailer, like the whole shebang. Yeah. I reckon, like, if this is real, like, it's their big quarter four game along with Smash Bros. for yeah. a holiday. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the whole, like, treehouse thing again where they, like, sit for an hour, two hours, kind of after the reveal, kind of sitting there playing it. Um, yeah. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Anyhow, that's about the end of the news for the day, so let's play around of What the Wiki. A reminder that What the Wiki is the Starcast game show where the host reads part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game and you, the contestants, must guess the game. You can play along at home. Thanks to at Jamie Penning over on Twitter, the official What the Wiki keeper of the score. He's here to remind us that last week there was a thrilling, thrilling tiebreaker between Stephen Brody and James, and the contestant who took away the point was James. Um, and with Brody not here today, opportunity for you guys to climb up that leaderboard, chase his lead of five points. James, you're just a point behind on four, and Stephen on one. So opportunity for you both to close the gap here on the, the leader. Um, but James, our friend at Jamie Benning over on Twitter, <laughs> is on to you, aware yeah. that you consistently guess his game, bar on one occasion... He did. When he reached out. <laughs> he, uh, he went back and figured out that there was just one time that uh, you, you didn't guess his game. Um, he's tried to pick an even tougher one for you this week. Um, so, Stephen, he might be playing into your hands here. Uh, but or maybe it'll just be ready, even harder for me. Maybe, maybe <laughs> so. It was certainly harder for me, I'll tell you what. Can I just ask quickly, uh-huh. what happens if no one guesses it? Uh, then you ruin the fun for everyone, and I have to <laughs> oh, think shit. about what I do on the spot. Um, I've started like giving away more clues, but if you, if you don't guess this first game, then it's just going to be like, whoever guesses the next game wins by default. That's oh, what I'm going to do. Jibs. Well, I can't make it like... <laughs> can't be stingy with the games. Well, no, it's just going to have to work that way. The other yeah. thing about what the wiki is, I make up the rules as I go along. <laughs> it's, a, it's an ever-changing game. The rules are made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally it. Uh, all right, game number one. The game follows the protagonist, a high school student in modern-day Tokyo, as he is transformed into a half-demon after the world undergoes conception, an apocalyptic event triggered by a sinister cult to trigger the world's rebirth in a new form. With Tokyo transformed into a vortex world filled with demons, the protagonist <laughs> Steven? becomes... Stephen? Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne? It is! Well done, yeah, Stephen! Yeah, that's the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon Jamie Benning maybe played into your hands a bit there? Um, it's possible, yes. Because <laughs> you're, like, you're a fan of Shin Megami Tensei, aren't you? I'm fairly sure you've talked about it before. I mean, I feel like I'm a fake fan because I've barely played any of them, but I am aware of them enough to know what goes on in that one. Right, okay. I was surprised to read with this one. It was the director's cut of the version chosen for localization, uh, and it was the first mainline uh, game in the Megami Tensei uh, series to be released in the West. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's why it wasn't... It was like Shin Megami Tensei 3 everywhere else, but we didn't get the 3 because we were like, where are the other two? 
Yeah, it was our first one over here. Well done, Stephen. You're off the mark there. Reminder that it is the best two out of three. So Stephen still needs to guess one more game to take home the points. And James is still in the competition. Game number two. Are you guys ready? Ready. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The game was primarily intended to arouse positive emotions in the player rather than to be a challenging and, quote, fun game. The focus was sparked by Chen, who felt that the primary purpose of entertainment products like video games was the feelings that they evoked in the audience and that the emotional range of most games... James? Is it Journey? It's not Journey, no. (laughs) Stephen, I get to continue reading uh, and uh, you can guess again. Uh, yeah, this is when it gets awkward. Don't wait too long. Um, the team viewed their efforts as a creating a work of art, removing gameplay elements and mechanics that were not provoking the desired response response from the players. The music composed by Vincent Diamante dynamically responds to the player's actions and corresponds with the emotional cues in the game. The game was a critical success to the surprise of the developers. Reviewers praised the game's music, visuals, and gameplay, calling it a unique and compelling emotional experience. It was named the best independent game of 2009 at the Spike Video Game Awards. Steven? Steven? Is it Flower? It is Flower. Well done. You were so close, James. (laughs) You were so close. It was another That Game Company game. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I'm excited. Well done, Stephen. Thank you. You're closing the gap. So, Stephen, that bumps you up to two points. You've uh, crept ahead of Matt there. He was also tied with you on a point. Take that, Um, Matt. (laughs) I'm going to clip that out and send that to him. Um, (laughs) And so that's really kind of heating up the competition a bit. We've got got people vying for the lead a bit more. It's good to see. Right. and with that, let's bring an end to what was episode 139 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on Podcast One, iTunes, or any other podcast service of your choice. Follow us at Press.au and visit the site at Press.com.au. You can also join the conversation using hashtag the Startcast. I've been joined today by James. You can find me on Twitter begrudgingly <laughs> and at James. So it's A T J A M Z. Are you okay, James? I don't want to say that yeah. that was a convincing victory on Stephen's half, but it was, <laughs> no, you know, I felt for you. Stephen. Stupid Stephen. TM. Well, we've also been joined today by stupid Stephen, I guess. Poor Stephen. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Um, if you want to find my my stupid opinions and pictures, <laughs> um, at Stephen Impson, S-T-E-V-E-N-I-M-P-S-O-N on all the social bits. <laughs> And I've been your host, Ewan Roxborough. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxborough. Joining... Oh, wait, no, I don't need to read that. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, happy gaming. See ya. Bye. Bye.